Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to the second book of Samuel. Second Samuel, chapter 6. And I want to talk to you today about being carriers of the presence of God. That's the title of the message. So, second Samuel, chapter 6, and we're going to read from 1. Right the way through to verse 15. Uh, let me just give you some context of, of where we're coming into here. We know that David's heart was to establish Jerusalem again, to build the temple in Jerusalem. And David had conquered many enemies, and it came to pass eventually where David went to go and fetch the Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant represented something very powerful in the nation of Israel. It represented the presence of God. If you read the Old Covenant, you'll understand that, I mean, from the very beginning, God's, God's idea, his, his, his aim is to be present with His people. I will be your God, you will be my people. He was present, His Spirit hovered over all creation when He made it. He was present with Adam and Eve in the Garden of, the, of Eden, and He would walk with them and fellowship with them in the cool of the day. And then, Obviously, when they were they were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, God eventually established a pattern of worship while in the wilderness, uh, a tabernacle. And in that tabernacle, there was there was place of making atonement for sins, sacrifices, all these kinds of things. And there was a place called the Holy of Holies. And in that place was a thing called the Ark of the Covenant. It was a big box, and inside the box were the tablets of stone that held the Ten Commandments. Aaron's rod, and on top of that were two cherubs, and their wings stretched out over what was called the mercy seat. That mercy seat is the physical place where God would manifest His presence once a year amongst His people, because God wants to be present among us. I think that's something we all need to take cognizance of. God's desire always has been, and always will be, to be present with us. Because He created us for intimacy and fellowship. That's why He sent Jesus. to. Bible says to redeem, to buy back the ability to be with us in, in, in righteousness and that we could be in His presence. Once a year, the priest would go into the place called the Holy of Holies and he would come into the presence of God which would sit on top of the Ark of the Covenant or the Mercy Seat. Now, there's, there's tremendous significance in that. So we come into a section of scripture here in 2 Samuel, and, and let's cut into it from verse 1, and it says, Again David gathered all the choice men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah to bring up from there the ark of God, whose name is called by the name the Lord of hosts, who dwells between the cherubim. So they set the ark of God on a new cart, and brought it out of the house of Abinadab 
which was on the hill, and Uzzah and Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, drove the cart. Let's pause for a moment. When God set the, the pattern for worship to the nation of Israel, and he, and, he, and he instructed them to make the Ark of the Covenant, there was a particular way that he instructed them to carry the Ark. The Ark had to be carried, on either side of the Ark were rings that poles were slid through, and those poles would be able to lift the Ark and be able to carry it on the shoulders of the priests. It's incredibly significant, because what we understand by that is that the presence of God, even then and now, was never meant to be carried on a cart, but was to be carried by men. The presence of God was to be carried by men. And so we see here that David wasn't doing things according to the instructions of God. Number four. And they brought it, sorry, chapter, uh, verse four. And they brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill, accompanying the ark of God, and Ahio went before the ark. Then David and all the house of Israel played music before the Lord on all kinds of instruments, of fir, wood, harps, stringed instruments, tambourines, on sustrums, and on cymbals. And when they came to Nathan's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error. In other, in other translations it says irreverence. And he died there by the ark of God. And David became angry because of the Lord's outbreak against Uzzah and called the name of that place Perez Uzzah to this day. David was afraid of the Lord that day and he said, How can the ark of the Lord come to me? So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him to the city of David, but David took it aside into the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite for three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six, places, six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Then David danced before the Lord with all his might and David was wearing a linen effort. So David and all the household of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Let's stop reading there. We see a few things here. Number one, David had a heart after the presence of God. We, we, we often hear of David being referred to as the man after God's own heart. That's what David had a passion for. He was more passionate about that than about anything else. He was passionate about the heart of God and he pursued God. But the problem in this case is that David was pursuing God on his own terms. He wasn't pursuing God's presence. He wasn't handling the presence of God in the prescribed way, in the way that God set out for it to be done. He was trying to do it his way. And because the ark was not being handled according to God's directions, when difficulties arose, the ark stumbled, the cart was flopping about, 
when difficulties arose, there was no acceptable way of dealing with them. Sometimes we get into our in situations because we try and pursue God, we're trying to do things our way, and we end up in trouble. And once we're in trouble, we find that there's no real acceptable way of dealing with the situation. We end up in some trouble, and it costs us usually. David learned, obviously, the acceptable way of, of, of carrying the presence of God. And because we see a little bit later, David goes, and now he's doing it the right way. So clearly he learned something. He learned a lesson through through what happened here. And we see that there was great rejoicing in the town. Uh, da David was wearing nothing but a linen effort. Uh, he clearly didn't put much effort into his wardrobe that day. Uh, his wife was not happy with him. And uh, anyway, so the, the point is this. David, he pursues the presence of God, makes mistakes along the way, but ultimately is able to bring the Ark of the Covenant into Jerusalem. That, however, is not what I really want to focus on today. What I want to focus on is verses 10 and 11. Let's read them again. We, we know what happened, and so Uzzah was struck down, and it says in verse 10, So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David, but David took it aside to the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom the Gittite three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom, and all his household. Something notable happened when the Ark of the Covenant was stored in this man's house. Something that people could see, because we see, in fact, in the, in the next verse, it says, Now it was told King David, the Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom, and all that belongs to him because of the Ark of God. Something notable, something perceivable changed in that household because the presence of God was there. Blessing came upon the household of Obed-Edom. And it was tangible. It wasn't just some kind of peace, although that's great. But people could see from the outside that everything about this life, this man's life and his family became blessed. I want to say this to you tonight. When the presence of God shows up anywhere, two things happen. Number one, that which is out of order gets dealt with. And number two, blessing flows. You see, when, when things went wrong for David, they went wrong because things, they were out of order. But yet, when he was able to put things right back into order and do things the prescribed way, blessing flowed. The blessing of God cannot flow freely in an environment that is out of order. God is a God of order. That's why, you know, there, there are certain ways that, that the blessing of God works. And the Bible is very clear in teaching us these ways. Um, it teaches us principles that apply to the blessing of God. The blessing of God has been freely given to every single one of us as believers because of what Jesus has done. It's no longer something that we have to strive to earn. There's no longer a set of rules that we have to live by in order to, to make, you know, to, to be blessed. The Bible says we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places because we are in Christ Jesus. Everything that is His belongs to us. Every blessing that He purchased is our blessing. So, what does that mean to you and me? That means we need to learn the ways of God, so that we can work in this blessing, so that we can get the blessing to begin working and flowing in our lives, not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of those God has called.
called us to, to be ministers to. That's why things have to come into order. God cannot bless that which is sinful. God cannot bless that which is out of order. Bless it, you see, because I really, I believe that the blessing of God and the presence of God, they are synonymous things. When God shows up, there is blessing. Because He is the blessing. He is the greatest blessing we could ever receive. And through Him comes every other blessing. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights. He is the source of all these things. Blessing can't flow in an environment that is not subject to it. In other words, we need to submit to blessing. We need to submit to the Lord and let Him have His way because through His way, blessing flows. See, the blessing of God doesn't flow through our ways. It doesn't flow through our wisdom. It flows through His ways and it flows through His wisdom. However, where there is divine order, blessings flow freely and they perpetuate themselves. The Spirit of God is constantly working with us and trying to lead us into divine order so that His blessing can flow through our lives. This is the work of sanctification. This is the work of putting off our ways and embracing and walking in the ways of God. What is His desire? Ultimately, blessing. Now you may say, Michael, ach, is this just the prosperity gospel? If that's all we're limited to, we have a thin understanding of what blessing truly is. Blessing is a holistic thing. I think it's in, in, uh, in Jude where he prays and he says, I pray for you that you may prosper in all things even as your soul prospers. In other words, our prosperity and our blessing will always be in, in, in alignment with the prosperity of our soul. And the prosperity of our soul is dependent upon our relationship with God and how we abide in Christ and allow His Word to abide consistently in us. This is the nature of the Kingdom of God. It's an inward work that leaves us so transformed that we in turn begin to transform the world around us. Amen? We are recipients of the blessing, blessing of God so that we can become perpetuators of the blessing of God. You see, the beautiful thing about what I'm sharing with you is this. There was a marked difference that people could see in the life of Obedidim because of the presence of God that was with him. And here's the reality. As new believers, as believers, as new creations in Christ Jesus, we have become mobile arcs of the covenant. We have become the carriers of the presence and the blessing of God. It resides within us. It abides within us. Amen? You see, if we don't believe that, we are going to be living life from a completely different, from the completely wrong point of view. You've heard Pastor Andreas say it before, there's two kinds of believers in this world. Those that are living for the blessing of God. In other words, they're trying to earn it. They're trying to live a good life. They're trying to be a good Christian. They're trying to keep all the rules, go to church and pay their tithes so that God will bless them. They're after the blessing. But that's not what, what Christianity and the New Covenant is about at all. Because there's also those who live from the blessing. They have a revelation that because of Jesus Christ, because of what He has done and because of His presence abiding within me, I don't need to strive to be blessed. 
I carry the blessing and the presence of God in me and with me wherever I go. I am the blessed of God. I am the healed of God. I am the delivered of God. I am the empowered of God. Because His presence is in me and it's with me wherever I go. And if I learn to allow that presence to do what it wants to and needs to do within my heart, it will mean that people on the outside are able to see tangibly something different about my life. Like Obadidim, they will look at you and say, that man is blessed. That woman is blessed. There's something about their life that shines, that 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 exudes the life and the blessing of, of God. In the midst of times that are uncertain, where everybody is panicking and in fear, they are stable. They are steady. They're not running around and, 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 and fearful like everybody else. In times where, where there's anger, they're at peace. At times where they should be angry, they're just forgiving people. And there's peace. Their homes are full of peace. Their lives are full of peace. They carry something completely different from the spirit that is in the world. And this is the, how the kingdom of God works. It begins on the inside of us and leaves us so transformed that we begin to transform the world around us. When we come into order, the blessing of God flows. When we come into alignment with the, the revelation of who God has made us to be, of what it is that God wants us to do, we are empowered for that blessing that we have received to begin flowing through us to those around us, that we can become a blessing because of the blessing we receive. You see, we need to understand what the word kingdom means. Some of us have a very limited understanding when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Kingdom is not just a positional thing. It is a positional thing, but it's not just a positional thing. A lot of people will define kingdom as two words, the word king, representing the deity, and the word dom, the domain over which that king exercises rulership. Now that domain may well be our hearts, and that is true. But the, the kingdom of God, we need to understand there is an experiential rule and manifestation of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not just in position, but it's in function. Jesus often said, when people were healed, when people were delivered, the kingdom of God has come to you today. The kingdom of God was a manifestation of the will and the life and the power of God. That is what the kingdom of God is. It is more than just this group of people we call Christians that make up a kingdom. The kingdom of God has an expression. And when our lives come into order with that, greater levels of expression can come out in and through our lives, in our thinking, in our attitudes, in the way we, we handle every sphere of life, relationships, finances, uh, occupation, all these things are affected by it. It's not an abstract truth, but the kingdom of God is vitally experiential. It has evidence. It has fruit. And like the life of Obed-Edom, people can see it. It's tangible. You can touch it. I remember years ago, uh, I think it was 2009, 20, 2010, somewhere around there, Helen and I had the privilege of going with Andreas and Cristela to Cyprus. It's before we had any kids. And it was in the season of March. And in the season of March in Cyprus, it's springtime, and all the orange trees are full of orange blossoms. 
it is a smell that left such an indelible mark on me. You know, they say they say smell is one of the most is one of the strongest nostalgic senses. You can smell something and immediately you're transported back to a time or to a place where where you remember that smell from. And for me, orange blossom will always be that that smell of cypress because I remember driving through the fields, windows open, and you can just smell the faint hint of the orange blossom. It was never enough to get a good whiff of it. For that, you needed to pick some and put them to your nose and smell them. Then you could get a good whiff. But it was just there. It was in the atmosphere. It was everywhere. And I believe that's a lot like what the kingdom of God can often be like. It's an atmosphere. You can feel it. It is tangible. It is right there. Sometimes it's not so strong that you can feel it. But at other times, it is incredibly pungent and strong. And it comes through with great gusto. The point that I want to make, folks, is that this kingdom we talk about, it begins its expression on the inside of us. It begins with our identity. And the first place we begin to express this kingdom is not out when we grab the microphone and we're preaching to people, but it's in our homes. It's in our marriages. It's in the way we parent our children. It's in the lifestyles we live. It's in what motivates us. It's in what we pursue. That the kingdom of God begins to work and find its manifestation. Where it begins to line up our thinking and our ways with the ways of God. And the thoughts of God. So that the, 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 the intrinsic blessing of God can begin flowing in every one of those spheres. Once there is order, blessing becomes evident. I want to say that again. Once we have discovered divine order and we've entered into it and we've put our lives and our thoughts right according to divine order, blessing becomes evident. Whether that blessing is internal or external, it is there. It is present. I remember there was a time in my life when I was facing huge, huge pressure in the workplace. Immense pressure. More than I could handle on my own. And the kingdom of God and the presence of God became real to me in the very depths of my heart where God taught me how to navigate that time and that season in my life with His peace, with His boldness, with His grace. He moved miraculously for me on many occasions during that season in my life. And I don't, for the sake of time, I don't want to go through that whole testimony. If we have time at the end, maybe I'll share it. But I want to say to you, the kingdom of God came to me and it affected everything that was around me. Because the staff I was in charge of were not being hammered and put under pressure because I was dealing with myself instead of transferring all my pressure to them. At the end of that whole ordeal, the client came back and said, we've never had such a successful uh, uh, um, project as the one you... We do this project every year. We've never had such a successful one. And I had an opportunity to give glory and praise to God for that. But the point is this. When I aligned my thoughts and my actions with what God was saying, when I put my faith to action there and acted on what I believed God was saying, the presence of God came into my heart. It changed who I was and the way I was approaching that situation. And because of that, it changed the outcome of the entire situation. Now God wants to do that for you. He wants to do that in your heart. He wants to do that within your family, in the areas that you know that are not right. He wants to do that in the areas of your devotion. The deepest things that you're pursuing in your heart. He wants to do that in your social setting, in your home church setting, in your business setting. So that from the inside, a changed man can begin to change an environment which will lead people into the blessing of God.
The place we must begin if we want to extend and establish the influence of the kingdom of God in our sphere of influence is to get rightly and deeply acquainted with the presence of God that dwells within us. 2 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? What does that mean? That means... On the one hand, it means I am completely blessed, that I have the presence of God with me, I am comforted, I am strengthened by that knowledge. But on the other hand, I am also rebuked by that knowledge, because it means that I have no excuse. The fact that the very presence of God has been given to me, it is with me every moment of every day, it means that I have no excuse. His wisdom is in me, His power is in me, His presence is in me. I and, and it is an expectation that I'm learning how to be led by his spirit. Second Corinthians chapter six verse nineteen. So just a few you know, a few verses later, Paul says, Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's. We are the carriers of the presence of God. We are mobile arcs of the covenant. We are carriers of the blessing of God. And this is the purpose and the product of our righteousness in Christ. That, right, that word righteousness is a significant word because it means that everything has been put into right standing. In other words, order. You see, God has to judge sin. Our righteousness means that when we stand before Him, there's nothing that is out of order that needs to be dealt with. And as we have a greater revelation of our righteousness and we cooperate with the Spirit of God to lead us in righteousness, that's why God says, seek first the kingdom of, his, of, the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Matthew 6.33, I think it is. Seek first the kingdom of God. In other words, the presence of God, that manifestation of the presence of God in my life and His righteousness. In other words, that every area of my life I pursue getting every area of my life in alignment with the word and the ways and the thoughts of God. And the Bible says, when, when I didn't get that right, all these other things that we pursue, all these other things that we worry and care about that drive us nuts, will be added to us. As I've said already, God's plan from the beginning of time was for us to live and to function within His presence and within His blessing. This is not only what Christ came to give us, folks, but I want to tell you this. This is what the world around us is yearning for. Romans 8.19 says, For the earnest expectation of creation eagerly awaits for the revealing of the sons of God. All creation is waiting for the sons of God to put back things, things back into order so that the blessing and the presence of God can find expression again. Let me give you a simple example. You think of any neighborhood where the family situation that God has set in place is out of order. In other words, where fatherlessness is rife. What have you got in that kind of community? Anarchy. You've got gangsterism. You have drug issues. You have crime issues. You have systemic poverty. Why? Because the family unit is out of order. People are not functioning within the state that God created for them to be functioning. The very bedrock of society, the family, is being eroded. It is being broken down. Why are we seeing the problems that we are seeing? Should we be surprised? 
The Bible says that the world, creation itself, is groaning for the revelation of the sons of God. Those who have learned to get hold of the presence of God and the blessing of God, to get that blessing working again through bringing their lives and their environments into order according to the ways of God so that that blessing can begin flowing in those situations. That's what creation is looking for because that's the environment it was created to function in. And who are, the, who are these sons that it's looking for? Romans 8.14, a little bit later or a little bit earlier, it says, For as many as are led by the Spirit, these are the sons of God. Those who are aware of the presence of God within him and have tuned their spiritual ears to be able to hear his voice, whose hearts are set on obeying that voice, they are the ones who the world is waiting for. Because it is through those souls and it is through those lives that God can, can work to bring change and to bring transformation, not just for us, but for everyone we come into contact to, contact with. Those sons are the ones who are rightly and deeply acquainted with the God who dwells within them. They are fully submitted to that presence. As a result of it, their lives are in order. The blessing of God is evident. You can see the blessing of God on their lives. The fragrance of heaven follows them wherever they go. Andreas said something last week, a few weeks ago. He says, you know, a broken and a contrite heart releases a fragrance in the nostrils of God that causes him to, to that, that moves his hand on our behalf. That is true. Their hearts are, are alright with God and they, they carry the fragrance of heaven wherever they go. They are influencers of good. They do not just sit idly by, but in every situation, they are actively engaging in either speaking encouragement, speaking the word of God, serving those around them, getting underneath others and pushing up. They're agents for good and agents for change. They bring light. They bring hope. They bring encouragement. I'm sure all of you have met somebody. and You know, whether you have coffee with them or whether you've just been with them in a social setting, no matter what happens, they make you feel good. They make you feel encouraged. They make you feel inspired. Why? Because there's something within them that they are living for. There's a, there's a life force emanating from them, which is beyond just the mundane, the everyday, the norm. I want to say to you today that in the same way that the Ark of the Covenant carrying the presence of God brought blessing into the home of Obed-Edom, so the sons and daughters of God, that is you, carrying the presence of God, Bring blessing wherever you go. I want you to understand, I'm not saying that you go somewhere and do things to be the blessing. I'm going to say, I'm saying that just the fact that you are there means that the blessing of God is there. What we need to do is awaken to that. And awaken to the fact that God has set me in certain situations and ask Him there in that moment, how can I be a blessing here? How can I show these people that you love them. I'm sure you've heard it said that you are the only Bible that some people will ever read. Your life is the only gospel that some people will ever hear. And in the same way that John 3.16 says, God so loved this world that he gave us the only son. I want to tell you this today. You are a son and the daughter of God. 
And in the same way that he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son, he loves this world so much that in redeeming you, he has given you back as a son and a daughter of the kingdom to your place of influence. Whether that sphere of influence is work, whether it's school, whether it's the marketplace, doesn't matter where it is. God so loved the people around you that he gave them you. Because in you dwells the fullness of God. In you dwells Jesus Christ. Colossians 1.27 says this, To them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. There is a tremendous hope of, for the glorification of God that abides within you. John chapter 17 verse 4, I think it is, I don't want to quote the wrong thing here says this yes John 17 verse 4 this is the words of Jesus as he's praying to the father before he's going to be crucified he says I have glorified you on the earth I have finished the work you have given me to do what was the work God gave Jesus to do to glorify him what is the work that God has given to every one of us to do to glorify him Christ in you, the hope of glory. That people will be able to look at you and see the glory and the grace of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 verses 6 to 7 says, for it, is, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who was shone in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. You see, it's not about you and me. It's not about us getting a good name. It's not about our glory. It's all about bringing glory to Him. How aware are you of the presence of God in your life? Are you able to see the goodness of God in all the little things He does for us every day? You know, Pastor Ken Turner said something once that left an impression on me. It says, he said, we see the greatness of God through the miraculous, through the signs and the wonders that he does. But we see the goodness of God in the little things. In those little things he does for us every day. In the fact that his mercy is on you every single morning. In the fact that he protects us to and from work every day as we, as we navigate the traffic. In the fact that He's given us relationships that are a blessing to us. In the fact that we have food to eat and we have clothes to wear. and God's goodness is revealed in all these things. So how aware are you of His presence? As we read about the story of, of, of what happened to Uzzah when he touched the Ark of the Covenant. It says there in 2 Samuel 6, 9, David was afraid of the Lord that day. And he said, how can, the Ark of the, how can this Ark of the Covenant come to me? David met the presence of God in a tangible way that day. And it changed him. It changed his approach. And he wondered, how can this happen? And he obviously went about pursuing it. We've covered that already. But his desire was so strong just to have that presence of God with him. That he could be led by it. No longer doing just what he wanted. Because his pursuit of God, his way, led to failure. Uzzah had to pay the ultimate price. 
Paul had a revelation of this principle. And he speaks about it in his letter to the Galatians when he says to them, Galatians 2 verse 20, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's powerful because he doesn't say Christ resides in me. He lives. It's not just that he's there, but he's alive. He's working. I hear his voice. I sense his unctions. There's things going on in my heart because Christ lives in me. He's not just in me. He's not just there so that I'm saved. No, no, he's living in me and he's working with me and he's dealing with me. And we see Paul's life as a result of this revelation. His prayer was that the same revelation would flood the hearts of the Galatians. So a few verses later, Galatians 4.19, he says to them, My little children for whom I labor in birth again until Christ is formed in you. Now he's writing this to believers. What does he mean that Christ be formed in you? What he means is that that revelation of God would become so real that our lives would come to, that, that we would be able to be led by that very presence of God. That the blessing of God would become tangible in our lives. That our thinking would be transformed. That when we walk into a room or a situation, when we march into our workplace, our thinking is not just about getting a job done. Our thinking is how can I represent the King? How can I bring the presence of God into this place today? Why was this so important to him? Why was this so important to, to Paul? Why was this so important to David? You know, when Christ is formed in us, our lives come into order and the blessing of God is able to flow through us. The key here is the word through. I think so much within the church today is focused on how we can get the blessing of God to flow to us. That's a fallacy. Because as I've already said, as soon as Jesus is present within our hearts, as soon as we become saved, we are the blessed of God. It's not about getting the blessing to flow through to me. But our hearts become consumed with getting the blessing of God to flow through us. You see, you and I are called to be ushers of blessing, not just recipients of it. An usher is somebody who, when he's at the church, he doesn't consider where he is going to sit. <laughs> but he considers where everybody else is going to sit. He is one who leads them to their seat, to their rightful place. And the blessing of God is not something just for us to, to receive, although it's there, it's present for us, to enjoy. But we are also to be ushers of that blessing, bringing change to others, ushering in the influence of the kingdom of God wherever we go. So my question to you today, folks, in light of what I shared with you last week, in valuing that which God has put within you and asking yourself, God, what is my role in the things that we are believing God for in this house church? What is my role in my setting, in my house church, whether I'm in Harare, whether I'm in Somerset West, whether I'm in Gypsum, no matter where I am, no matter how many people I'm with, what is my role, God? And as you ask that question, Look within your heart. There may well be areas where God is trying to line up your thinking with His way of thinking. You see, when we don't see ourselves the way God sees us, we strip ourselves of the potential God has put within us. We cannot live to the potential He has given us because we don't see ourselves that way. And when we don't see others the way God sees them and has created them to be, we lock up their potential 
to be a blessing to us. God has called us to be a body, not individuals. He's called us to work together to be a blessing to one another. And he's called us to be a blessing to the world around us. Where does all of that start? That starts with the revelation of the fact that the one who created the world, the one who breathed life to every single one of us, resides within our hearts. He is there. He is present every moment of every day. God is never distant for, from us. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. But He is longing to bring us somewhere. He is longing to bring us out of where we are up to where He is in terms of our thinking, the way we see things, in terms of our perspective. He's wanting us to be led by His Spirit and by His still small voice so that that presence and that blessing that we carry becomes something that other people can see. The same way they saw it on Obed-Edom's life. And so that wherever we go, we go with the mindset that I am a mobile ark of the covenant. Where I go, the presence of God goes with me. And where the presence of God goes, blessing flows. Folks, I believe God is really wanting to empower each one of you as individuals. And I'm not saying He's wanting to empower you to start your own world mind ministries. But he's wanting to empower you where you are to begin tapping into the reservoir of grace that resides within your heart. Speaking words in faith that you've heard through prayer over those around you in your immediate vicinity. Whether that's your family, whether that's your house church. Your house church gatherings, the time that we are putting in beforehand where you worship God together, where you sing together are opportunities for you to share the gifts of God. Where one has a gift of hospitality, let him share it. Where one has a word of knowledge, let him share it. Where we come together and we always leave better blessed because we've been encouraged. Somebody has spoken a word over our lives. Somebody has given something. Somebody has shared something. I, 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 I believe God is saying to you, do not underestimate the value of what I have put in you. When you, block, when you block it, when you lock it up, when you put a lid on it, you underestimate the value of what I can do through you. I want to show you one more example of this. If you turn in your Bible, please, to the book of Acts, chapter 9. And I want to close with this. God gave me the scripture before I ministered tonight as I was waiting upon him. And I'll be honest with you. I didn't understand why. And I read it twice. I read it three times. I went to concordances. I'm looking and saying, God, what, God, what are you trying to throw, say through the scripture? I don't understand it yet. And so I didn't include it in my message until now because now I understand what God is trying to say. Acts chapter 9 from verse 10 says this. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus, for behold, he is praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And there... And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. 
for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me so that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Let's leave it there. I want you to notice the words that are used here. In verse 10 it says, Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. Ananias was no prophet. He was no apostle. He was just a certain believer. He had no status. He was just a normal man. Through that man's obedience to the voice of God, he unlocked the gift and the heart and the sight of one of the men who most powerfully transformed the church of God. He established how much of the church of God. He wrote half, if not three quarters of our New Testament. None of that would have happened had not just a normal man been aware of the presence of God within him, heard his, heard his name and said, Here I am, Lord. I want to say to you today, House Church, wherever you are, God is calling your name. He is calling you by name. And the only fitting response when God calls is to say, Here I am, Lord. Speak. And it may seem strange. It may not make sense what God is calling you to do. But it is in the stepping out of faith and in those simple acts of obedience that the blessing of God and the kingdom of God begin to perpetuate themselves through our lives and into our situations, bringing glory to the King. It doesn't matter how old you are. You need no status. You need no major qualification. You don't need a degree in ministry. All that you need is to remember that the presence of God dwells in you. And God is speaking all the time. And to say in your heart, Lord, here I am. What are you saying to me? I believe with all my heart that is the question that God is asking this house church in this time and this season. That's why I'm ministering the way that I am. I don't usually say things like this. But I have such a strong impression that God has incredible things destined for, for, for each of your settings. But it's going to take each one of us in our setting to make that happen. If we are looking to Pastor Andreas to do it, we're looking at the wrong man. God has called him to equip us to be the goers and the doers. If we are looking to the Lord to just do it miraculously, that's not how God has chosen to work. And God is calling you by name. And the question is, what will your response be? Are you open to be led by the presence of God within you? Are you willing to start every day saying, God, I acknowledge your presence within me. Lead me today. Are you willing to walk into every situation looking and saying, God, how can I be a blessing in this place? You know, when we start embracing that heart attitude, growing the church becomes the easiest thing in the world. It's like clubbing seals, as the old saying goes. And this is what God is saying to you, church. So let's just bow our heads for a moment. Father, We are in awe of the fact that we are the object of your affection. 
We are humbled by the fact that you, the creator of the heavens and the earth, have chosen in your sovereignty to make your abode the hearts of men and women. We want to thank you, Lord God, that your presence dwells within us richly, that all the blessings of God are within us. And they're just, they're there. They're not something we need to strive for. Father, tonight I want to ask forgiveness for myself, on behalf of my family, of myself, of the spiritual family, of the web family, Lord God, for for our indifference to the presence of God that dwells within us. Lord, would you forgive us for being concerned about all so many things, while yet being so indifferent to your presence within our hearts. We are, are concerned about so many things. We're tuned into so many things. We are so distracted. But yet your presence, living within us, carries such hope and carries such power and carries such potential. Lord, would you forgive us for paying attention to every other thing and neglecting this most precious, precious blessing. And Father, tonight and this morning, wherever we may be, I want to pray that you would awaken within us a realization of the magnitude of what you have given us in your Holy Spirit residing within us. I want to pray, Heavenly Father, that you would give us a revelation that everywhere we go, we carry your presence and your blessing with us. And that you have called and ordained every one of us as your children to be ushers of that blessing. To share your love, your grace, your forgiveness, your mercy with the world around us. To be a blessing in every environment so that your kingdom may come. That it may be experienced by others and that they may see us and look at us and say, that man or that woman is blessed of God. Lord, thank you for, for working a deep work in our hearts concerning this. Would you change our thinking and lift us up to see things from your perspective, God. That we may be a church that is on fire for you. Passionate about your kingdom. About saving the lost. Winning the lost and discipling the nations, Father God. That all may know and come into this glorious blessing of God. And receive within themselves the inheritance that you came to purchase for us, Jesus. So I commit this word to the ministry of your spirit tonight. I thank you for every fertile heart into which it has been sown. And I pray, Lord, that you would cause it to grow and to flourish and to bear an abundant fruit. I pray for testimonies, Heavenly Father, of how this revelation, Father, has brought forth opportunities for blessing. And how others have been touched as we realize that, God, you are reaching out continually through us. And I thank you for them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.